This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. Welcome I'm Abhinandan Sekri. We are recording News Laundry Hafta in the week that started off with International Podcast Day. Isn't that right? So this podcast is produced by Karthik, the podcast papa as he goes by on Twitter. Thank you Karthik. Happy Podcast Day to you. Thank you and it is recorded by our wonderful colleague Anil who sits quietly in one corner not even realizing he's there um well we have joining us one of uh, india's favorite podcasters amit verma hi amit hey guys how are you doing very well you have been on hafta before and a happy podcast day to you belated happy podcast day to all of us yes aur isi khushi mein this week's hafta will be free it will not be behind the paywall so all you mufat khors rejoice rejoice mufat khors you're getting the hafta for free also joining us today on the hafta is our former colleague arunab shaikya who now is with the scroll and he before that has been with sports kida i think that's what did sports kida do arunab yeah that's a long time back though yeah what was it been before between scroll and news laundry right. uh, news laundry and scroll yeah and he has also been with the mint and now he's reporting out of assam Uh, meanwhile amit has been introduced to you recently he was on the hafta a few weeks ago but i shall do so again he's been a journalist since 2001 and ma- was managing editor of crick info for few years he's been a columnist for every major indian publication he was the editor of think pragati uh, which ceased to be an online magazine on the 31st of march and amit has won the prestigious bastiat is that how you pronounce it bastiat the t is silent it's a french dude But the T silent, which T? The second T silent. It's Bastia. That's right. Bastia Prize for Journalism in two thousand seven and two thousand fifteen. His blog is called India Uncut, and his podcast, The Seen and Unseen. I'm sure most of you podcasters have heard it. It's one of uh, the favorite podcasts that is uh, uploaded out of India. And uh, he's his two part podcast series on Gandhi is with Ramchandra Guha, and I recommend you listen to it. The link will be below, uh, below the news laundry page of this podcast. uh since it was gandhi jayanti uh i highly recommend that podcast so welcome amit welcome arunab also on the Thank panel you, okay also on the panel is raman kripal hi and manisha pande hello so before i get into what all is on the menu rather manisha will tell us i would just urge you to pay to keep news free it's podcast day podcast week we can do better podcasts we can do more podcasts we can do finer quality stuff if we have the resources So just like many of you actually had sent us these mics and these recording devices that we are recording on do go to newslaundry.com click on subscribe and put your money where your mouth is so that we don't have to depend on advertisers and pay to keep news free because when the public pays the public is served when advertisers pay advertisers are served now what do we have for our listeners <laughs> it was a action packed week No, it was kind of dull. I think. Are you kidding? Just today, the I army has uh, held a press conference that the Mi-17 helicopter was shot down by friendly fire, and the first time this was actually reported at the time, anyone who said so was considered anti-national. Sanjay Nirupam has gone on the like shitstorm against his party, and he's saying they won't win more than four or five seats in Bombay, and lots huh. of other things also happened. And I think there were six people in the in the helicopter in the hel- in the helicopter. Huh? Oh the one oh the, the one which was shot yeah uh, no but the six I'm not sure I'll just check mm. also I think the IFS IF was 
at the press conference just playing a promo of whatever and news channels ran it as balakot footage oh, the, the, a promo <laughs> of a film on that hmm. yeah okay everyone's running like finally proof watch it for yourself anyway the week uh, we celebrated india celebrated the 150th birth anniversary of mahatma gandhi on this opportune day modi wrote a piece on in nyt he wrote an op-ed and mohan bhagwat wrote in ht praising gandhi and everything that he stands for and on the same day as uh, nyt uh, modi's piece appeared in nyt there was a front page image of kashmir uh, about the lockdown there um so people are wondering if this is a sort of a balancing act you and have also, kashmir on the front page and then you have praise and also on gandhi jayanti um bapu's ashes were stolen from bhopal from a museum and uh, this some person wrote graffiti cursing him so yeah hmm. well done and on gandhi jayanti god se amar rahe was trending at number 2 really yes yeah. i didn't notice it was trending okay Of course, Congress lashed out at Modi and BJP for celebrating uh, Gandhi Jayanti, and uh, Priyanka Gandhi went on her little walk, which Congress called Padyatra, but it was just a stroll. <laughs> yeah, mm. and she, of course, lashed out at the BJP and said, uh, "First, you pursue the path of truth; otherwise, then talk about Gandhi Ji." Uh, very disturbing news coming in from Bihar and UP through the week, but it didn't. It gained some attention in the beginning of the week, but then I think it petered off. Uh, more than hundred people have died in floods in Uttar Pradesh, mm. and close to forty people were reportedly uh, lost their lives in Bihar. There are around fifty rescue personnel, along with teams of the State Disaster Response Force, looking at rescue operations, relief operations in Bihar. But now it's really drowning. There was some really. No, as a um, nation, we have hardly reacted to it. Yeah, but True. but the the visuals uh, on from uh, Patna were yes. the, I mean every yeah. place on the water, man. Yeah, 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 it's really. And this I is. I think the losses are going to be huge. There were like showrooms with everything dog just destroyed. Yes, mm. insane. If it was Mumbai or Chennai mm. or even mm. Kerala, I think that those cities got way more yeah. coverage than Patna right. did. In the middle of all of this, there was a BJP leader, Ramkripal Yadav, who fell into a river during the flood survey in Bihar. This yeah, was that captured. was quite funny. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, then Supreme Court on Tuesday recalled uh, two of its earlier directions that had diluted the SCSC Atrocities Act. They have reinstated those uh, acts and said that the ultimate aim is a casteless society. And specifically, what that was that two years ago, um, or maybe it was yeah, maybe around two years ago, there was a case where someone had falsely accused someone of you know having hurled a casteist slur or whatever, hmm. and in lieu of This false case being filed, they said, because the SCSC Act, if you are accused, you are immediately arrested and it's non-bailable. Uh, they 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 kind of watered it down, and the Supreme Court said that no, you cannot assume that everybody was going to use it, misuse it. So it is as punitive as it was. Basically, there was an absolute no absolute bar on um, anticipatory bail, and you had you needed prior permission for arresting civil servants, public right, servants. Right. Yeah. That. That too. has been reinstated. It's gone mm. back to what it used to be. Uh, Mayawati said that this order exposed the bitter life of realities of Dalits. Yeah. Um, she. I wish she'd done more for them. But anyway. <laughs> NRC was back in news. Yes, uh, and uh, that's what I'm sure Arnab will shed a lot of light on. Curiously, this was uh, an Indian Express report. I think a front page report that said the Election Commission has said that registered those who were left out of NRC won't be marked doubtful. So now I'm wondering what this whole exercise was all about. Amit Shah, of course, gave a speech in Bengal, and he said that we are going to implement uh, NRC in Bengal too. And he said, "I want to assure all Hindus, Sikhs, Jains, Buddhists, Christian refugees that you will not be forced to leave India by the centre. Don't believe rumours." And that we'll enact the citizenship amendment. Oh, like which, so basically, instead of saying Muslims, watch out. He said, "Let me just tell everybody else. You you ah. can chill." तुम हमारे हो. 
Muslims. Because as we know, Jain refugees are such a common occurrence. You just see Jain refugees everywhere. Hmm. In all of this, I think one great news, one really heartening news was law schools across India have launched a collaborative legal aid clinic called Pariche, and they're going to help people who've been left out of the NRC to fight their battles in the foreign tribunals. I mean, that's such a great so, yeah. with, way with, to sort of learn, put your uh, learnings to practice, and help out. Yeah. So and build a resume while you're at it. Yeah. Stuff like this, no, but stuff like this <laughs> no, makes it's a really big difference. Heartening. I mean, I like it's only Indian universities where they don't give a shit whether you did any, you know, work for the community. Mm. But in universities across the world that are highly ranked, work that you've done for the community goes a long way in when when they yes. give you admission. Hmm. What else, um, Manisha? Uh, so, uh, Bangladesh Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina also uh, gave out a statement saying that she's not worried about the NRC and she's talked with Modi about it. And of course, no channel went hammer and tongs that what did Modi say to her that she's not worried because if Modi would, you know, if the NRC, what they say that these people will be deported and sent back to their countries, then surely she'd be worried. <laughs> but if, if 20 not, lakh people will be sent back to Bangladesh, <laughs> is she not going to be worried? <laughs> so clearly she, they're not being sent. And there was an RTI story that Arunab had uh, filed for Scroll, uh, where the RTI response says that there's been no f- official talks with Bangladesh so far. The foreign India's foreign ministry stated that we've had no talks with Bangladesh so far on this. Okay. And what else do we have? We have Imran Khan lashed out India, of course, post-UN Imran Khan went on his little spree. Clearly, no one's advising him on what shows to appear and what not to. Whatever we may say about Modi here... He won't appear on these Morning Joe-type trashy shows in the US. <laughs> yeah, which is making a lot of news. Amran Khan just appears in every bloody show, man. What's wrong with him? I think he wants Thora International Press. Anyway, then the Prasad Bharti tweet, the troll Prime Minister of Terroristan gets a fitting reply. <laughs> I'm not surprised Prasad Bharti state, well, it, it, it actually is not, it's an autonomous body, so to speak, but it does come with the government. Puts out such tweets, it is being held by that Shashi Shekhar guy who is also the founder of that wonderful website, Neeti Central, that no longer exists. So they've given him this to run, so he can run this into the ground as well. Uh, then US wants rapid action by India and lifting restrictions. The New York Times had a really um, cutting piece on India's position on JNK. And a lot of my friends on WhatsApp shared it. Uh, those of my friends who like Modi said, I have lost all respect for New York Times after having read it all their lives. Because they were immigrants in the US and were hardcore Democrats then. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that happened. Then the Jammu and Kashmir local council elections are scheduled for the 24th of October, the election commission says. And soon, all the political prisoners are also going to be let go. And there's some other headlines which we shall come to later. But first, we have the Gorakhpur case. But first, let's just get to Amit and Arunab. Amit, you first. Uh, Did you read that article um, which I shared on our group? That podcasts, research suggests that podcasts are amongst the most immersive news formats. Uh, which group? I mean, I I don't think I'm on any group with no, you. No, no. Um, I had uh, shared but, it. Yeah, I mean, there's a... On the news laundry group. I said, did you read it? The same one. It was very encouraging for me. Uh, I haven't read the specific uh, uh, piece you talk about, but podcasts are insanely, um, uh, you know, all the data suggests that uh, they're on a different level of uh, being immersive. Like I was just reading this study about this Chinese podcast company called uh, Himalaya, which is, I think, spelled with an X at the start. So it should be Shimale, like a female mountain range. Uh, and uh, their stats say that their average user spends more than 100 minutes at a time. 
uh, when they go online on average, which I mean, the figure sounds insane, but that's the kind of engagement you get wow. with podcasts because if you look at the use cases, people listen to podcasts when they are doing one of three things, which is they're either working out, uh, like going for a walk or at the gym, they're doing errands or they're commuting. So they're essentially captive listeners who have chosen to listen to something whereas when you watch a youtube video you can just click on a tab you can turn your head away and talk mm. to someone you can pick up a book none of these uh, sort of opportunity costs actually exist when you listen to podcasts so uh, you know the sort of engagement that there is and this is something i have seen i mean i've been blogging for many years writing for many years but the level of engagement i've seen because of the podcast is just another level entirely Yep. And the length doesn't matter. Like, there's this whole talk about how long form is dying in print, yeah. and you know that people don't have the bandwidth anymore to read through articles. But I think podcasts that doesn't seem to matter, right? Like, you yeah, can I have long form. Many people who have shifted to podcast, mm. especially when they are driving yeah. and the long drives. Right. Yeah. Yes. A lot of our listeners. Uh, yeah, traffic jams ke dost. even sometimes when I go running you know someone will just stop me and say I'm listening to Hafta right now okay well I, yeah, I am running circles that happens but what about you Aruna are you listening to any podcasts so after going to scroll you just do text and no I actually uh, I've actually been listening to uh, on pod- a podcast which I'm sure you guys have listened to a long time back I mean I'm uh, to be honest uh, not too much into podcasts but I was uh, suggested to listen to uh, S Town uh, and I've been on it uh, for the last uh, two days or so and I'm really enjoying it. Which? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you guys must have uh, listened to it. Uh, it's uh, this podcast called Fit Town. Yes, that's the one with that guy who's a little... You, you're not sure whether he's delusional or whether he's a genius. Yeah. yeah that's a fantastic... Oh, wow, that's a really what good What is run. it about? It's about this guy who writes... I, I'm, I may be mixing up two because S Town was the third in the serial series or to the separate one. It was the, se- so this the one, separate one. The separate one. Is this the guy who fixes clocks and stuff? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'll tell you, you later. Yeah. Yeah, right. man. Yeah, that was and, and fascinating. And you really, your heart goes out to people who are who have such a you know they have a mind that needs to soar, but they are stuck in some shit bunghole like Bangholia Central, Bangdale or something. Uh, it's yeah one of those yeah so you should listen to more podcasts Arunab instead of getting will, drunk I will, I will, I will, I should. getting getting drunk and fighting with people getting drunk and fighting Arunab not at all <laughs> not at all so uh, so Arunab now tell us about NRC I want to discuss that first you've done a lot of stories and a lot of reporting congratulations you've done fantastic reports on NRC thank you first of all you told me you, your name appears so you're okay I'm sorry yeah yeah I'm okay I'm safe Okay, fine. So anyway, so but is there any uh, uh, good news also? There's no good news, but as Manisha just pointed out, I mean, uh, uh, I mean the fact that, that these people are still going to be allowed to vote, you know. So I mean, that's uh, most of us here weren't expecting that. So that's probably some good news. We were, you know, unless uh, they're declared foreigners by the tribunals, also they get they they get to be on the electoral rolls. So, yeah, that wasn't quite, uh, I mean, we didn't quite see it coming. So, in a we've, good way, that's a good thing. We've seen how the English and Hindi media played out. But in Guwahati, in Assam, and I'm sure you've traveled while covering this, do people question what is going to happen to these people? Like, let's say, who are, don't make it to the list. They are going to be held in these camps. Now, no country is going to take them back. Then there'll be children born in those camps. So, then, like, from now till eternity, there'll be these camps around the country, like some dystopic Mad Max film with little townships and countries within who are not Indian citizens, they don't have the rights, but they cannot get out of there. Like, do people question what happens then? Like, what happens 20 years from now? 
Uh, in fact, uh, there has been a lot of engagement here. I mean, civil societies have uh, spoken about it. Uh, a lot of, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, the progressive Assamese uh, sub-nationalistic stance on that is that uh, detention centers uh, should not uh, exist. And uh, they, they, while they realize the fact that the, no country is going to accept them back, so you know, the, 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 uh, you know, one of those proposals that have been moved a long time back, uh, a, a system of work permits, you know, where people can work but not vote. Uh, that is something that civil society in Assam seems to be very keen on. Uh, but I don't think uh, anything's uh, happened on that front uh, in the government le- at the government level at all. So, but that's something that people in Assam look at as a realistic, uh, you know, option going ahead. Oh, I see. But of late, like recently, the Assam CM also sort of lashed out against NRC, saying that, you know, it wasn't just because of the Hindu Bengalis who were left behind. Yeah, so I mean, it, that's, uh, that's the, I mean, the BGP is basically, uh, you know, I mean, uh, it's completely backfired for them, the NRC. They were vocal about, uh, they, 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 uh, they supported the NRC, you know, till as recently as the last elections. Uh, but now that they realize that you know they're going to the, the, the list uh, the list of exclusions uh, has a large number of if not uh, an overwhelming number of uh, Hindu Bengalis. So you know that's I mean that, I think uh, the fact that Amit Shah said uh, uh, the other day in Cal- in uh, Bengal that you know that the, they're going to pass the citizenship amendment bill first, then introduce the NRC uh, across the country. You know it obviously means that uh, BGP is very very jittery about NRC. Uh, so yeah, I see. So, uh, now just coming to the other thing that dominated headlines, at least today, is in Amit's city. Sanjay Nirupam lashed out at the Congress leadership. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there's Maharashtra elections coming up and Haryana. Uh, in both states, if you are to believe political pundits, that it's a no contest. The BJP is going to sweep both, uh, which I find truly shocking that if Khattar can sweep after the kind of governance of the last five years then this country is truly screwed but um, and the, the, some channels are running Congress loyalist revolts Gandhi loyalist revolts I was curious that Sanjay Nirupam has become a Gandhi Congress loyalist dude in my I, I don't know he was in the Shiv Sena what seven years ago five years ago yeah hmm. so about, about seven eight years ago he's like just a new entry I remember he used to sit there and abuse do all he was the most rabid of the Shiv yeah, Sena yeah, yeah. yes so, of course, clearly nobody, TV viewers don't have a memory longer than one week. So, they know he's a Congress loyalist. So, so that he's, you know. But um, is it a foregone conclusion, Amit? At least in the local media? I mean, forget the English media, but what about the local media? Uh, I think it seems to be a foregone conclusion. And you're right, Sanjay Nirupam was one of the most uh, vituperative voices in the Shiv Sena. If you guys remember, uh, he uh, carried on this particularly uh, wild campaign against Sunil Dutt, uh, you know, at the time that Sunil Dutt was going through all, all those problems and was being harangued for, mm-hmm. you know, the things that Sanjay Dutt did. And then he joins the Congress and becomes like the de facto big guy here. And the interesting thing is he's my MP. So, uh, you know, and obviously, you know, I am for, uh, you know, I've been against Modi for a long time, but yet I did not vote and vote in these elections because the option that was placed before me was Sanjay Nirupam and I could not get myself to uh, vote for the guy. But yeah, I mean, by and large in Maharashtra, this seems to be a foregone conclusion uh, going by uh, uh, what the media at least has assumed, but we don't know how true a picture that uh, uh, really is. 
I see. Raman sir, what Congress will not feel bad, you know, losing him out because he was never a crowd puller. Uh, I remember, I mean, serving, you know, in um, uh, Bombay uh, with the Express and I had met Sanjay Nirupam and he he was with, uh, you know, uh, Shiv Sena at that time. Hmm. And then later again, I met him when he was with the Congress. So I saw, I mean, even uh, when he was in Shiv Sena, he used to have some at least cronies along with him. But after joining Congress, I mean, he was absolutely alone. Yeah, yeah. I remember he holding a rally, you know, at near Indian Express office, Nariman points. And there were uh, hardly uh, 10-15 people. Then why has he been... I mean, any clue, why did Congress take him? I mean, he'd been nasty to their MP. He uh, uh, had brainwaves like getting Urmila Matondkar into the party. Such, such a genius move that like she didn't even stay on to say thank you to him and she left like what, what what's why is he an asset for anyone because he's a he's yeah, the only politician to be the big boss contestant <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah he was a big boss he's a big boss contestant no no he was no, but, I'm joking. but but uh, but, but <laughs> he is, like, he no, is no. in, uh, he's in <laughs> maharashtra uh, i think because of uh, this bihar is in actually uh, uh, sorry amit you were saying yeah, no, pretty much what Raman just said that, I mean, I, at one point they looked at him as an electoral asset and uh, I guess now they don't have any electoral asset, mm. so it doesn't really matter. In fact, we uh, have a series of stories on News Laundry on Maharashtra, Congress and Maharashtra and how they're just yes. losing the plot in the state one after the other. We've done one story in Pune. Right. Pretty much the same story as in Rajasthan. That infighting and everything. Then the young Thakre boy filed his uh, Aditya Thakre who seems, at times, at least when I've heard him talk, too sensible, and I'm just saying to be a Thakare, I'm not saying in life, and too soft-spoken. So I'm like, how is he, like... Someone Rahul Gandhi ho ka Shif that is not for his soft-spoken nature, that she was saying he's so dim. But he just um, filed his uh, nomination and his assets were 17 crores. My God, he's like, what, 25? And he's not done yeah. any work in his life. No. I, I think he published a book of poetry uh, a few years ago. So that would make him the richest poet in India. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. He'd be Chetan Bhagat also. And his, apparently in his affidavit, his BMW is worth 6.5 lakhs or something. So you should just buy it off him, man. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, the Sharat party and, and Congress, NCP and Congress have yet to announce what their seat sharing is. But, um, I mean, in the current situation, kind of pathetic. But there used to be this one more party of Athavale, the Republican Party, right? In Maharashtra, it was quite a force to reckon with at one point. Was it not, yeah. Amit? Is it still? Ramdas Athavale, yeah. I, to be, you know, to be very honest, even though I live in Bombay, I haven't really been following Maharashtra policy, mm. uh, politics that closely. So I'm just going to be embarrassed every time you turn with me about a question <laughs> about that hometown. That's okay. I not knowing never keeps me from pillowing yarn. Isn't that a party which had Raki Savant? Sorry? Isn't that the same party which had Raki Savant? Ramdas Athavale took Raki Savant in his party. I didn't know she joined politics. <laughs> he did give... T- um, I uh, think so. I think she was in... Shodarajan's uh, brother party. ticket. <laughs> Trust Arunab to know these things. Keenly <laughs> <laughs> tracking Raki Savant. Tell me, what, what, what's Poonam Pandey up to Arunab these days? 
Not sure. <laughs> okay, you need to check, check your notes. I'll find out. I'll find out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Chota Rajan's brother has been given a, a, a Shiv Sena ticket, hmm. right? You're so, right. Rakhi Sawant did join Republican Party of India. I just checked. Yeah. Wow, you're a crack political reporter, Arunab. See? Yes. It's never reported from Maharashtra. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, but anyway, enough of politics. Uh, for those of you who aren't in delhi last night delhi for about 45 minutes to an hour saw the kind of rain i have never seen in delhi in my Same life here. yeah if it would have continued like that for hours i think much of delhi would have been underwater yes so um this whole um, climate change thing in the last this monsoon i think uh, this parts of bihar and parts of uh, punjab also saw like 600% more than normal yeah. in a particular week maharashtra saw a lot I'm wondering and we've discussed this before does I don't still see this covered as like a climate change story I see this covered as a governance story or as a you know the nalis are not cleaned regularly I would just like the panel's views uh, Raman sir I mean if we were to cover it if you we were to cover it as a, as a climate change story is it that one would need very um uh, you need reporters who really understand science like why why is it that that's not an angle that's taken even by us is it too is it too specialized a subject no it is a little specialized uh, but it can be made simple we try to do it in delhi hmm. but then we do it in a very layman language you know we are just telling that these changes have happened but why these changes have happened i think is not a not a local phenomenon it's it's it's, a, it's more than a local phenomenon there's something else is for example in delhi hmm. we have uh, pollution when the punjab guys they burn their you know yes. produce so 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 those factors uh, in uh, in in climate change i think uh, is something that we need to understand and that is i think is a little specialized I think in the next two weeks, we'll again start seeing all these stories about pollution in Delhi and yes. pollution killer. It'll go on till Diwali, and then again, quiet. People will forget. And no, it's it goes just, on. It's I becoming think it goes on quite till, pathetic now. Till December, it goes on. I, I mean, Diwali is when it peaks because uh, then there's this yeah. whole cracker yeah. band Diwali conversation. Diwali is when it peaks basically after it goes down. But yeah, the, the the week before Diwali is the worst. But um, Amit, you know, I've often thought about it. Like we have a. podcast series where we take one subject and in we haven't gathered any jhandas on climate change stories and reports the scene and unseen does some pretty comprehensive deep dives have you contemplated doing it and if not have you ever wondered why we all are aware why it's important but we never end up doing any like reports or in depth pieces on this i think the reason i haven't done it and i've thought about it but the reason i haven't done it is that it is deeply complicated like for example just on the question of how do you report uh, the what's happening in bihar or up or you know bombay had its uh, worst rains in i think 60 years or something like that and uh, you know you guys mentioned about it is in delhi and as raman said the thing is okay these facts are very simple to place before readers but if you want to figure out the links of causation that is much much harder to do and that with even the science itself is not very clear for mm-hmm. example we are all very clear and there's a complete scientific consensus that 
climate change is a thing it's caused by humans we need to do something what there isn't a clear consensus on is how bad are things going to be what are the precise things that are going to happen and they're not clear for a reason because it's deeply complicated and uh, and moving on from there you would then ask okay if these things are happening because of climate change what can we do to mitigate uh, uh, these and even there the answers aren't aren't so clear you know you, you'll have the extremely alarmist activists on one extreme you know uh, putting forth a bunch of measures which would uh, you know impact uh, how far third world countries like india and bangladesh can progress for example and that brings up related ethical issues like uh, you know who is a west who's already benefited from their massive use of fossil fuels who are they to then lecture us on uh, you know when we are trying to get ahead and these trade offs uh, are the real uh, question behind climate change for me that w- what do we need to do and there's no clarity on that and what are the costs and how do you balance the costs and the benefits so it's just so incredibly complicated and i have read a lot on this subject but it's hard for even me to get my head around it you know even someone like the economist william nordhaus who got an who got a nobel prize for his work on uh, um climate change uh, the, you know disagrees with a lot of uh, the other climate change activists in the field so it's just so complicated that i haven't got into it and that again goes back to the question of how do you report something like this because reportage in today in today's day and age uh, demands a simple narrative of some sort especially if you're writing in a newspaper and you're doing an 800 word piece or whatever and something like this is just incredibly hard to simplify and also it has just become deeply political so if you say anything nuanced you're going to get jumped on by everybody hmm. Hmm, like bihar uh, i mean last year most of the most of bihar had uh, faced uh, drought and this time it is i think even the... uh, overall delhi there's been a deficit uh-huh. in rainfall right overall even though like i i mean just anecdotally i felt like there was more rain this time but according to records it's one of the drier monsoons that we've had in delhi um So I have a whole uh, silver lining uh, thing about climate change. Let's hear it. <laughs> She it's, comes from the hills. It's pretty dumb. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I was in Europe this year, mm. and it was so hot there, uh. Hamburg. It was insanely hot, and you, of course, had the whole heat wave. And I was looking at weather in Delhi, and Delhi was like thirty, thirty-two. I was like, wow! Finally, maybe there'll be justice in the world through this. All the colonized will have good weather. We'll become Europe. We'll have like sub thirty, you know, like nice temperate, and Europe will burn. Okay, so th- this your so silver then, lining has nothing to do with science. <laughs> no, it's a complete. I think this, this is a curse. No, this is how justice will prevail. This is Manisha Pandey's curse. No, ये पता नहीं. This so, is my karma theory. Do you have Somehow anything like... to add? Are there any climate change related stories in Assam that you can do? Oh, Assam I mean, is floods uh, every year. That's what I mean. Uh, Uh, when you talk about reportage, or you know what uh, Amit just said, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I think what he says right. But I, but unfortunately, I think uh, we just don't do it. even simple climate change stories. I, I mean, there's as as a reporter, I, I mean, I uh, a report in the northeast where there's a, uh, there's a lot of implication of climate change, you know. Uh, but I've hardly got any stories on climate change. You know, I think the fundamental problem with uh, Uh, with it, with Indian journalism, journalism is that we do not, uh, you know, step out of our comfort zones. And as a journalist who has been for most of his career a gener- generalist, I think it's. I mean, I think I, th- I think there's always a way to, you know, listen to experts, you know, saying different things and, you know, you know, lay it out 
is in a simple enough manner for readers you know i don't think even that's happened i think uh, i i i think it's not a good enough excuse for a journalist like us to say that you know it's it's too complicated a subject to report on i think we've just not shown enough you know willingness to report on it yeah so i think this is a good seamless segue i'll just do to gandhi jayanti as bapu said that if i paraphrase that if all of us would consume at the rate of the west we'd wipe out the earth like locusts in 30 years or something or maybe he said something of the sort he said the earth provides enough for your need but not for your greed that's the that most that was his that was Achha. the most that popular quote Achha. that i <laughs> and but i know he had he had mm. said something about this whole cons- consumer driven um you know societies we'll wipe out the earth too quickly so uh, i would just like to hear the panel's views on on gandhi i mean do you think he's we make too much of him or is it fashionable and too he's trash too much or does he get just like the right amount of attention that he deserves let's let's start with asam what do you think your views on bapu arunab and how he's perceived by our media by us and did any of you read uh, mohan bhagwat and narendra modi's piece on bapu i did read modi yeah i read modi mm, so yeah please take all questions together i don't think his uh, you know his uh, the all venerated this day i think there's there's a fair amount of criticism also i think which is fair and uh, i i think uh, he's represented uh, in a pretty uh, fair fashion you know i mean uh, i was uh, so i was in turkey uh, a couple of uh, uh, last month in fact so uh, turkey seems to be a very similar figure uh, uh, in the form of ataturk Hmm. so uh, you know ataturk would uh, you know a picture of ataturk would hang in every establishment small or big in turkey and in across the country i saw that you know so uh, so i asked a lot of these people you know like you know what does this mean you know like the fact that you have this picture you know and in a lot of cases more than one picture does this mean that uh, you know because the current dispensation as you would know is you know i mean many say that it's, it's in reaction to ataturk's policies at the point right yeah, yeah there's a backlash uh, you know, uh, so so but uh, so for this is that you know it's 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 it's, uh, it's actually got nothing to do with that you know i mean we we may not uh, i mean we we uh, you know it doesn't mean that we like uh, you know erdogan any less uh, uh so i think uh, very similar to what uh, you know uh, to gandhi's stature in india you know i mean i mean obviously the far right you know would you know i mean say things and has been saying things but in spite of that the fact that you know modi finds it you know important or necessary to you know write about him in a paper that has been so critical of him i think says a thing or two about his importance and you know relevance uh, uh, today in india you know in a for a person like modi to do that in a paper like new york times i think that says a thing or two about you know why his uh, probably the i mean most important you know political figure we ever had and we'll ever going to have you know hmm uh, amit what your views on all the same the three things that i mentioned yeah it's 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 sort of very interesting because uh, the, you need to separate gandhi the myth and gandhi the man and, and the thing with even gandhi the myth is that there are really two two very binary myths uh, one of which of course is bapu his father of the nation he got us our independence and so on and the other which is propagated by which has been propagated by the rss and the hindu right wing is about uh, you know all the, all all the grievances against him and how he enabled pakistan and how he was an appeaser and uh, so on and so forth everything that led to god say basically uh, killing him and um, 
the, the the interesting thing is that you know modi one of the great things i think modi has achieved in the last 15 years is sort of managing to be all things to all people i absolutely don't uh, you know it, it's kind of baffling that when they have uh, when, when the rss and and the hindu right wing has internally coherent and cogent reasons however much i may despise those reasons and disagree with them but the internally coherent reasons for not liking gandhi why at the same time uh you know modi with his peace in envy times and so on are also trying to uh you know sort of um, own gandhi in, in, in a sense and i'm i'm a little baffled by that and as far as gandhi the man is concerned i think you know uh, we live in times where especially driven by social media people look for easy binaries so and so is either good or evil and there's nothing else but if you look at public figures like gandhi like nehru like churchill like vajpayee who have decades of public life in many cases hundreds and thousands of words of writing behind them ambedkar even uh, all of these figures are not figures where uh, you can just say that he's a hero or he's a villain they're deeply complex they keep changing their mind gandhi's collected works run to about 100 volumes uh, which i keep dipping into from time to time because i'm extremely fascinated by him and and he's been internally very inconsistent he's changed his minds in some ways he's been a hypocrite um, if uh, you know um, uh, if me too was around at that time he would have been called out and rightly so maybe the cancel culture would have knocked him off but at the same time he's a great man great political thinker uh, his force so will uh, took the indian independence movement a long way and i think a lot of these complexities kind of get uh, lost in the, the the simple discourse that largely prevails so i i, I mean arunab is right in the sense that uh, by and large people appreciate gandhi the man for all of these aspects is nothing new that anyone really has to say about him all of this is sort of in the public domain but if you look at the way uh, these two dual myths of gandhi are treated it's uh, and especially when you know modi sort of embodies both and and that's something i found a bit bizarre i see um you know what um, you said about um, gandhi's um, inconsistencies he was asked about this and he had said this did you change your mind so often you said something he says that's going to happen you should take the last thing i said about it as my Latest. final word yeah <laughs> so he was he was aware of that your view sir about about no i think uh, it was i see it more uh, you know it uh, the attention politically uh, i think it was a strategic attention modi is and uh, his government they are trying to appropriate gandhi for the the theme of nationalism because gandhi is one common binding factor of this country so so i think it was more in into that direction and uh, also the fact that uh, they are also they are trying to bring in their own heroes you know in the name of gandhi like savarkar and all i think i had seen some articles where uh, which uh, mentioned that gandhi had once praised savarkar so so i think it is more uh, of a political exercise and then they they also uh, launching their uh, and keeping all of us busy with this plastic <laughs> ban or whatever so i think it is completely strategic attention manisha ji i think that not enough attention is paid to gandhi the politician and when we talk about gandhi is like the saint who walked the earth or this flawed person depending on where you are but just the lessons that you could learn from gandhi the politician i don't think there's been a more successful politician in india than gandhi hmm. he made secularism sexy he he was like that shahrukh khan in that film what was it called i am ha hasil kabil 
प्रतीक है और प्यार से उनको बोलना चाहिए कि मत खाओ यू नो सो हिट कैंड a piece both sides and kind of strike that middle balance and he was and he got like really diverse people together yeah but i don't his th- tactics yeah, i don't think it was slimy i i think because if you read I mean, about gandhi politics Ganthi, is slimy i guess it's fine no which is why i think on that he was remarkable because his consistency in his personal life and his public life was absolute you know um his uh, his granddaughter who was the son that akshay Khanna played the guy who got drunk and became an alcoholic and all. You know, Khanna, Mene Gandhi, Mene Gandhi, 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 He did something that really upset Bapu. It doesn't do with public life. I don't know. He went somewhere where he shouldn't have gone. Oh, he had an affair with this Firang woman, and uh, he was very. So he fasted for a week in penance of that. This wasn't a public thing. Mm-hmm. It was his family jagda. That was his way. Mm-hmm. It was not. So whether you call it manipulating or emotionally, you know. इट वॉजेंट हिपोक्सी की पब्लिक में देखो अब मैं भूखा बैठा हूँ जैसे अन्ना जी बैठे अगर उसके बेटे से भी झगड़ा हो गया ठीक है नाउ आई विल नॉट ईट फॉर वीक दैट इज माई If yeah. I may butt in here, I'd actually disagree a little bit about uh, being consistent in his public life and in his private life because, uh, you know, even after he came back from South Africa, one of his sons who was left back fell in love with a Muslim girl and wanted to marry yes, her. Yes, he didn't. And he her. didn't allow that. Correct. And all his public rhetoric at that time was that was the standard Hindu-Muslim bhai bhai. We are all one people. But he didn't allow his son at that time to marry a Muslim. Even with caste, he had various hypocrisies of that sort where he hmm. would, on the one hand, he would say. that you know i will eat with uh, uh, dalits but on the other hand he would publicly support varnashram and talk about the purpose mm. of varnashram and of course his position on this changed over the years mm. but many of uh, uh, these for uh, things are sort of happening simultaneously and i, I, I think especially on caste for example um you know his views did evolve but some of it was posturing and both ambedkar and the hindu right saw through that and were pissed off you know i i think in 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 his debates both for example the geeta press was angry with him uh, because um, uh, you know they felt that uh, gandhi was uh, you know speaking too much about caste ambedkar was angry because he didn't go far enough and in a sense he kind of um sort of messed up in his posturing there but and for all the talk about the importance of women i think the way he treated kasturba is an absolute disgrace yeah mm. on the gender issue i think um it's clear that he was by today's standards uh, really primitive but again i've discussed this earlier in the hafta and i'd just like to get what amit thinks of this uh, there was an article which i don't know someone on hafta had suggested or someone else had forwarded to me of how we need to judge people not by oh sorry um, bill ma had said this in his podcast by the values of the time like george washington owned slaves doesn't mean he wasn't progressive for his time so i think like uh, his uh, he had this rant that 
you know the woke millennials by your the woke, woke millennials today. like judge everybody by today's standards hmm. and he's saying you fuckers don't know shit like you've come this far because everybody's progressed you haven't invented you know a progressive thought and future generations will think you guys are dicks so hmm. don't have this holier than thou wokeness and political correctness and in that rant he had said and i completely agree with him you have to judge a person by the existing conventions of the time and for those times i'd say gandhi was better than most on gender while by today's standards of course he wasn't you- i'd i'd uh, uh, so i'd add to that i'd i'd say number one i agree with you completely i mean the jefferson owned slaves argument carries uh, 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 you know n- no force with me at all so i i agree with that completely you have to judge people by the standards of their times but by what standards of the early 1940s could you justify uh, gandhi asking his grand niece to sleep naked with him because sure. in his mind that would stop the violence in noakhali i mean give me a break by the standards of any time that that is absolutely horrendous and would have been condemned by everyone even contemporary even his contemporaries had he not already become such a, a larger than life figure right mm. no i meant about how he treated ba sure sure uh, and also that him not allowing the the bais of banaras to take part in the independence movement that you are immoral and you have immoral habits so all the money they had collected to be part of the you know movement they he refused to accept any of that but i think the one thing that you know the mohan bhagwat has demonstrated by his piece in the hindustan times and narendra modi no matter how much you trash this man he is too big to fail i mean you you can try all your might to discredit him but in the end to be acknowledged in the world because the one big difference between gandhi and atatürk is that atatürk is a hero only for turkey he is not Martin Luther King's hero, Barack Obama's hero, Einstein's hero. You know, Gandhi had that aura. And another thing that you know one tends to forget is that when he came and he said, "We will do this ahimsa and passive resistance," mm-hmm. it wasn't even said, "What a great idea! Let's do this." No one fucking listened to him. It happened in patches. You know, there was a lot of violence then, patches then a lot of violence. But the fact that he did not budge is what I think makes him the greatest human being. I'm I think so great far. politician also like leading by example he always led by example he showed the way right so moving on um now what else happened this week was that the supreme court is, no that's a high court right who recused himself from the gautam navlakha case the it's a supreme court, court sorry supreme yeah. court. oh sorry the uh, mr gogoi mr gogoi so for those Five of you who don't know gautam navlakha was one of i think at that time there were six people who were arrested in his batch because people get arrested in batches these days no i think so uh, there were four so uh. there were five five were arrested for anti national activities and links to maoists and all sorts hmm. of other stuff the bhima koregaon case the bhima koregaon case and uh, the chief justice was the first to recuse himself and now a judge uh, called bhat mr hmm. i forgot his first name has recused himself and five judges in all have recused hmm. themselves and none of the judges have said why now I tried to read up on this I you know I think scroll has a piece on this case and but is there no law that requires a judge to explain like why no, will no, you not do your job No no there is no law but there is a convention so whenever you recuse you just let let the court know why you are recusing Huh. So there is a convention, and everybody used and to do it. And usually, so a this is a precedent. Interest. I mean, for the first time, uh, the judges are not giving the reason why they are accusing. Hmm. So why do you think that is? I mean, why is this case more touchy than others? I mean, 
I I really don't get it. Like anyone want to shed light on why this case is so important that all judges, including the chief justice, recuse themselves, and why why they're so scared of this case? It's a bit of a mystery. Even I don't know why they're recusing. I mean, they have to hear him now because otherwise, because his plea finishes off. So I think Friday. Some mystery, but also I mean, if anyone gives him bail. I think yeah maybe they just don't want to touch it because you don't you don't want to be siding with the government uh, on this because the case is very flimsy uh, but you also don't want to be seen as that guy who let this urban naxal out or I don't know or who supported I see so maybe but there's really I'm I'm a bit surprised hmm. any other gentlemen from Guwahati and Mumbai No no I I was just going to agree with Manisha and I, I would speculate and say that perhaps there was pressure on them to maybe there is pressure on stated or otherwise to decide the case in a particular way and they are uncomfortable about that so the only way to get out of it is to recuse themselves I'm just speculating But I mean for example this case of the girl who was who's accused in men and the rape that is she is in prison yeah and he is getting VIP treatment in prison she of course is not I mean in my view that judge would be fear more that pretty what will the world say to me if i'm putting her in prison he denies her bail i'm sure no one's going to i mean navlakha case is not more sensitive than that arunab your views i think uh, uh, i think they i'm not going to obviously take names but it seems they wanted a certain judge to hear it who is hearing it now and uh, who said some pretty uh, uh, i mean uh, strange things in the hearing today I mean, asked Navlaka why he's why he holds a brief from Aavis and all that. I think another uh, one reason why I mean your second question, but why uh, they don't want to hear it in spite of it not being pro- you know seeming less sensitive as other cases because apparently it's going to set a lot of bad legal precedents. You know, I mean, in the way they expect it to you know go a certain direction. Oh, so so you'll go down in history as concerns, uh, okay. fundamental questions about liberty and freedom of speech and stuff like that. Yeah. So speaking of liberty and freedom of speech. Forty-nine or fifty—I don't know how many people were there. Were signatories to the letter that had been sent to the Prime Minister saying that do something about the lynchings. So there was Sham Benegal, Anurag Kashyap. Who else was on that letter? It was signatories. All Ram Chandra Guha. Maniratnam. So now some activist or lawyer. Actually, there's so many out-of-work lawyers in UP, right? This is from UP. Who's who's? Um, yeah, I think it is. Oh, Bihar, right. who has said that who a magistrate has asked for this fi to be filed correct on a complaint of yes. a lawyer yes the cjm has asked for it to be filed yes so um, yeah that happened also dear listeners of hafta if the police don't take sumoto action hmm. so these uh, activists they go to the judge but what action you're writing a action I mean, money fi <laughs> but really i'm amazed at amazing uh, the, the, the amazing. level that is normal but anyway i have a couple of emails which i'll just like to read from our loyal supporters and listeners this one is from tanya tanya says long time subscriber here to be honest i didn't renew my subscription for a few months last year because i was so peeved by the innumerable technical problems that plague nl there are some basic things that any organization should do for instance send a reminder to subscribers to renew their subscription at least send a mail when the subscription has lapsed and not let subscribers just find out when they try logging into the hafta chitranshu i hope you're listening i'm told that this uh, mail goes i'm surprised it hasn't gone to you and sadly it has failed to do any of this still ye dil mange hafta so eventually capitulated and renewed my subscription kya kare hafta sunne ki aadat si ho gayi hai but now i must register my protest with the way i've another answer a subscriber letter asking about when the app will be fixed stop saying there are a variety of reasons why that hasn't happened to my mind Hafta and NL Sena are the only two ways that NL is monetizing right now. So please tell me what the problems are and ask for help. 
whether it is more money for solving Hafta's tech issues or other types of resources, I'm sure there are plenty of subscribers out there who'd like to help. As for myself, let me put my money where my mouth is and offer my help, apart from subscribing, which I do anyway. I'm an ex-journalism student who very quickly understood that I couldn't survive in this field and I'm now working in a mid-level corporate job, which pays the bills and doesn't feed the soul, if I can take some poetic liberty here. I have several friends who are lawyers, consultants, etc. and we would all love to offer help, whether it is doing secondary research or getting contacts or organizing NL subscriber betaks. In fact, why don't you guys do some subscriber outreach and organizing a smaller size subscriber gathering in your office? It'll help in creating a vibrant community of NL supporters. Good idea, Tanya. Keep up the good work, Abhinand, and improve your song choices at the end of Hafta. Your music taste is fast becoming like a middle-aged Punjabi uncle. I agree. Well, Tanya... I can, I can do the song choice. My, <laughs> my name is Niku Sekri and I'm 45. So you're right. I'm a middle-aged Punjabi uncle. But you don't have to Punjabi be a middle-aged. That's a... I don't know. How do you middle-aged? Uh, you know, you don't uh, have to be a middle-aged Punjabi Manisha, uncle. Time is like not optional. <laughs> Let's just freeze it now. As a, you know. But middle-aged Punjabi uncle is a state you of mind. You can still feel it's young not at a, heart. It's not young a... At heart. <laughs> anyway, but Tanya, um, you will be thrilled to know that at least our website and web uh, will be completely glitch-free. I would hazard within October. It may spill a little bit on November, but yeah, it'll be completely glitch-free. None of this, the emails will go out. The app may take a little longer, significantly longer, maybe two to three months at the least. Uh, yes, it's a money issue. The quote we've been given, and I have quoted this in Hafta earlier, to redo the whole app and have the Hafta behind the paywall because there is no third-party podcast plugin that you can, you know, take out of the paywall, behind the paywall when you want because that's how we do it. Sometimes you put stuff outside the paywall, sometimes you put it inside the paywall. So the quote that was given to us, I think 67 lakhs or something. And yeah, that's a lot of money for us to spend right now. But hopefully um, the process has started and it, it shall be completed within this year. But... Uh, we will reach out to you, Tanya, and uh, it's a great idea. We should have some subscriber meets in office. And uh, once they're here, we should just tell them to leave. You guys have to pay us X amount of money. Otherwise, we will not let you go. So that's so Tanya's idea is brilliant. But we shall surely do that. Uh, you'll hear from us soon. You can help us uh, in several ways, tech and organizing these subscriber meets. And thank you for your support. And this other mail, which is a slightly longer one, is from Ashish Kothiari. Uh, he talks about climate activism and renewable power generation. Hi, News Laundry panel. This is a long mail, but I would be glad if you devote a few minutes to this next week. I wanted to give my opinion on the topic of climate change. I'm currently working as a postdoc in Canada on the topic of renewable power generation, so I'm somewhat qualified to talk on this topic. There are certain problems I think that mainstream climate change activists and media don't talk about regarding CO2 emissions, which I think are important to discuss in public. The two main sources of CO2 emissions in the US, and he's given a link, like any good postdoc researcher, he hasn't just payload because I say so. He's given citations. He has citations. <laughs> so everything he's claiming has a link. So I, I'll, I'll carry on with his mail. The two main sources for CO2 emissions in the US are the transportation sector and, the, and power generation. We can use electric cars for reducing emissions, emissions. But as Abhinandan said, this would not work as we would still be producing electricity using coal and other fossil fuels. See, I was right. A postdoc has said so now. Since the climate Shallow. activists are not big fans of other cleaner sources of energy like dams and nuclear plants, renewables like solar and wind are the only remaining clean sources of energy production. But in my opinion, we, and I mean the world, not just India, are far away from replacing coal plants with solar and wind. Firstly, wind and solar power plants are very capital intensive. So the private sector would naturally be reluctant to invest in such solutions. Hence, there needs to be incentives from the government 
to the private sector to ensure the growth of renewables hmm. the power generated using solar wind is variable due to changes in weather conditions and the efficiency of the current technology is low moreover solar wind farms require large areas the largest solar plant in india also in the world the shakti sthal plant at pavagada karnataka which is capable of serving around a million households covers about 52 square kilometers and many times such projects do run into land acquisition problems like here another link provided and here another link provided from one from economic times one from down to earth hence we do need proper land acquisition laws to even set up these plants i believe such topics could have been discussed last week as the guests publication does write about stuff the guest he's talking about is we had a panelist who were, who is a editor down to earth but i understand that you also have to cover other stories i would love if you could bring joydeep for one of on a one 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 interview on let's talk about and finally one last point abhinandan komaunis are different from you punjabis we are not the same species as you so fuck you yeah. <laughs> i like ashish he's a komauni okay ashish thank you i think we should carry hey komauni hey komauni yo kitne intelligent hai hum yaar postdoc she's komauni and she had said we species living there don't know okay she uh-huh. had referred to komauni as a species i said it's not a species you're the same species as us so anyway i think other than the last paragraph where he's saying fuck you uh, i think the rest of this um, letter can be carried as an article it's a good one it's a good opinion piece on climate change so we shall do that ashish thank you and thank you for your support uh, now coming back i would just like to talk it was too delicious to ignore it so amit did you see donald trump's press conference with the norwegian president or prime minister kya hota hai norway mein prime minister premier Joby, premier okay let's do a, a, a neutral word did you see that press conference no man i've had my head inside a hole for the last few days but i follow his twitter feed religiously i mean he is the main reason i i i no forget I, uh, trump now you've twitter. piqued my curiosity what are you up to prime minister uh all kinds of things nothing much about uh, talking about really but going back to that excellent letter which you uh, uh, just uh, yes. uh, read out if i can add a thought to that i would say that uh, a lot of people because of ideological reasons that are no longer relevant don't think of nuclear energy as the answer but the big answer is nuclear energy it's yeah. it's kind of it's been demonized unfortunately and uh, you know what a series like chernobyl really shows is a failure of a particular system of government but nuclear energy across the world has the best safety record is the cleanest energy you can have has worked wonders wherever it's been implemented properly such as in europe and uh, it's absolutely the way uh, forward uh, you know hopefully the others you know like wind and solar are a long way off from being adequate sources and and when people talk about electric cars it's just nonsense most of the electricity in india comes from coal so how yes. is that even clean energy the answer is nuclear um okay i have a disagreement on that but uh, what about you arunab on on this you have any thing to add on to that letter other than no, the abhinandan fuck you which i'm sure you would that would be very nice for your ears to hear i gladly agree with that but yeah nothing apart from that so that's the only bit you agree with in that letter you disagree with the rest <laughs> yeah okay do so you disagree with the rest of what he says i mean you have any views on renewables or you that's not an area of interest no, no. nothing that I'll add to the conversation yeah not 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 informed enough okay raman and manisha sir no, don't really add to it Go okay ahead. so so you know just your bit about the solar and i'm i'm no expert on it i've read a few articles and a lot was written about this i think uh, when was it a few years ago i don't know why that entire manmohan singh when he staked his government on the nuclear deal for those of you who don't remember upa1 
the closest it came to that government falling was there was a vote of no confidence because the left parties that at that time had I think 72 seats that was the downfall of the left basically they had never had so many seats i was about to say raman karat raman kripal <laughs> prakash karat was the uh, head of that coalition of left parties and they withdrew support because manmohan wanted to sign a nuclear deal with bush and it was uh, it was complicated that it will get us into a exclusive nuclear club uh, we will not have sanctions against us anymore it allows us technology but most importantly it will take care of 6.25% of india's energy needs in whatever few years and famously at that time amar singh of all people saved manmohan singh sarkar those of you who don't know there was a sting operation done by a prominent channel and then that sting operation wasn't aired because the editor i'm giving you a lot behind the channel, scenes prominent channel why are you being so coy prominent channel that that at that time started off with c and ended with n and it had an n in the middle <laughs> and and that was cnn second and before that it had an i and a b and an n so it oh was cnn ibn <laughs> something like that cryptic and the editor was a man whose name started r and ended with desai and there was a sir somewhere there so anyway so uh, <laughs> that channel did a sting the sting was not aired and that's why are you so discreet well, sir i'm very <laughs> i i talk in riddles <laughs> I'm like that. So it wasn't aired uh, because that would have completely shown uh, Mr. Manmohan Singh in a horrible light, uh, and that was completely buried somewhere. But anyway, I digress. You know, uh, Amit, I've read articles, and I wish I could be as thorough as Amit and cite them right now on how France is moving away from nuclear, and they had quite a significant amount of energy was nuclear energy. Ditto with Germany, they had really gone into I I I don't know maybe I'm just going off but almost 40% or so or maybe I'm that that was France only uh, just google manisha a lot of these european countries are 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 abandoning nuclear and after also what happened in japan because the if something goes wrong it can't be fixed you see if something goes wrong in the rest it can be fixed but the 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 cost benefit analysis while in a best case scenario you're right it is the cleanest of all but when the fuck up happens that's like a fuck up that you can't like do anything about it's for life preliminary research on results on google says that france derives about 75% of its electricity from nuclear energy but it started reducing it now right yeah uh, no no uh, i'll uh, what really happened was uh, germany and france moved towards nuclear and france is doing very well with it hmm. germany uh, actually made a lot of progress because of nuclear then they moved away and that, that moving away turned out to be a disaster and at some point they'll probably have to uh, move back as for what you're saying that's what you know talib would call the precautionary principle but the whole issue with that is that all the cost benefit analysis through the decades has shown that even from the point of view of that cost benefit analysis um, nuclear just comes out way ahead like if you look at the numbers of people who die per year because of each of these nuclear is basically zero at the moment and Uh, you know coal takes lives uh, you know all other forms of energy takes lives and ha- has Im- uh, impacts which don't get talked about because it's not like there's an explosion and many lives are gone it's just that the impacts on their health and those lives are sort of quantified i i obviously don't have the figures on me right now you're right yeah um, mm-hmm. so uh, i'll write about this in detail at some point but just looking at the numbers and doing the cost benefit it's just a complete no brainer and it, 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 you know but but we there is still this impression that nuclear is somehow 
unsafe and people imagine that there'll be an accident and everything will blow up and oh my god what's going to happen millions will die and that's all completely uh, you know far from how it is uh, uh, you know modern reactors are incredibly safe with practically no chance of anything going wrong so i i think i'd trust maybe say in the western world to be careful with you know all the norms around it but in india i'd be very scared yeah if there was a plant coming next to my house because i know how lax indian authorities can be at looking at things how accidents can be so you know it can be so easy so i, I don't know at least in in a country mm. like india i'd be a bit scared yeah. and that's why the whole kurun kalan protest i mean you could understand where the anxiety was coming from because you see how how lax we are with in fact the worst industrial disaster ever is an indian one the union yeah, carbide so plant but yeah i amit i see your point it's a bit like uh, you know i am a paranoid flyer and every time someone tells me do you know you have a higher chance of dying while driving than you do of flying and my response is always that dude there's a chance i'll get saved if there's an accident there's no chance i'll get saved if there's a crash <laughs> there's nothing i can do so but yeah but the data is overwhelming that it's safer to fly than it is to and drive and until you crash You're- on mountains and eat your co-passengers flesh and survive yeah that's also that sorry you're saying amit you're more likely to be killed by a cow than by a plane Wow. I mean, I just made that up, but who's going to check? Cow protection. <laughs> <laughs> too late. I already put it on WhatsApp and forwarded it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, but coming to, I was talking about you know, for those of you who didn't see that press conference on Donald Trump, both I've for the last four or five days, just letting you guys know, and I would highly recommend you also start following it. The British politics and American politics has become too exciting. because the kind of shit that's happening there is like you know you thought that these are more evolved democracies much older the kind of shit that's going on with this boris dude and after that supreme court when it said that what you've done is against the law it's i mean whatever unconstitutional and then the to and fro like the brexit no deal like he's saying i'm giving a deal but eu is saying fuck off that's no deal for us that's as good as no deal and trump on the other hand after ukraine now apparently he told china also to help him nail he's biden he told china to investigate the biddens yeah so he said uh, and he said it out there because now now that they're subpoenaing you know subpoena i get na when they ask for the documents so now they also want the servers where these calls are stored because as president they're stored so this, the china call is also stored in that server so he probably figured ki shit they're going to hear about this so he said it out there in a press conference you know i want i want corruption to be investigated so i've also asked china i'll ask you i'll ask everybody so he's damn clever and then he was at a press conference with the norwegian prime minister president jobi thabo prime minister oh and so he said okay now questions so this reporter got up and uh, the norwegian reporter and she asked trump that all the political storm that you are in how is it going to affect our relationship and then she said and uh, what did you ask of the UK? okay sorry and did you ask our president anything for, for any favors and if yes what did you ask him to investigate anything so she was norwegian so he couldn't be very rude to her so of course the norwegian president kind of covered for it and you know said of course it was the other way around i asked him for stuff he like kind of made it cute see then the american journalist got up and and said that uh, just to be clear what did you ask the ukrainian president to do what did you want from him he went into his rant that guy went into a follow up he said ask the norwegian president a question ask him a question don't be rude ask him a question don't ask me ask him he wasn't fucking loony man the only reporters trump has liked have been from <laughs> india. india and pakistan those are the only two guys he's 
you know, praised and said, wow, one more of this. How would you get these guys? Which is a slap on our faces. Both the South Asian countries should yeah, be ashamed. Course. The Finnish president, not Norwegian president. Sorry, no, Finnish. They spoke about Nokia, right? They said Nokia is a fine company. Correct, correct. Well, Nokia is a fine Finnish. Because that's yeah. a woman. The Norwegian Finnish. Prime Minister's woman. Yeah, I, I've just done the typical no- North Indian uncle thing. Like, yeah. the, like, like Kerala, Tamil Nadu, Karnataka one, Norway, Finland, Denmark one. <laughs> <laughs> but your uh, forgetting things is becoming very chronic. I'm noticing you need to have chavan prash or something. I've started you forget, having. You forget a lot. Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> but that's that's yeah, that's a problem. Maybe you're highly functional. You can say that you're I'm a genius. I'm you a don't genius, need. Maybe. You don't need no, to. No, I, I I I forget <laughs> names and countries all the time. No, but actually, what I was coming to was that there was a piece which the link is below by David Brooks. Why Trump voters stick with him and imagined conversation with flyover man. So I'm guessing flyover man in America. Lingo means like a hilly billy a hick from the Midwest, and uh, it's a conversation where the urban guy is saying, "I hope you read the rough transcripts of the Trump phone call with the Ukrainian President Trump. Clearly used public power to ask for foreign leader to dig up dirt." And this other guy is basically justifying that I'll stick with Trump. I don't give a shit whether he's a bigot, <clears throat> whether he's um, sexist, whether because he is the only one who said that I'll watch out for you and your liberal. Elites don't give a shit about me, so I know that all that is wrong. But I'll still stick with him. And many Indian, uh, you know, right of center Twitter users and journalists tweeted out this piece. Uh, did any of you see it? No, I didn't. Uh, Amit, uh, Arunab, have you read it? No, I'm reading it right now as we speak. <laughs> oh, Arunab? No, I haven't. I haven't. Anyway, so okay, so then I guess mine will just be a rant and not a discussion. <laughs> so fuck that. No, but I just, you can finish the point. But I, the point I was making was that, you know, this makes a very specific point that th- these guys were, eco- they were left out. The America wasn't the, you know, America of their dreams that you could be anything. Like this, I hope I get this name right. Her surname is Gomez. She's a singer. She's very famous in America. Selena, Selena. Gomez. Okay, good. Selena Gomez she, I just found out because she spoke about immigration and how, I mean, she and their celebrities take a political stand. Her uh, grandparents, like, came from Mexico, yeah, like, as refugees, like, like you know, illegal. Like, they jumped the border at Chup Chup Ke, you know, mm-hmm. they washed utensils. Okay, well, but, but she's, but a, she's a big star. star. She's a big singer. She's a big star. She's a very famous person, yeah. So what I'm saying is that the point I was making it in America, that could happen and that increasingly is not happening. You are... You can't, the social mobility and the economic mobility that was there is not there. So I understand the American perspective to this. In India, what is Modi giving you? You know, they can say that Trump watches out for me and says, I'll give you jobs, I'll watch out for you. And and whether you like him or not, job numbers have been the best ever. In fact, the American job market, NPR had a podcast, is completely in favor of the work seeker. If you quit, the chance are you'll get a job the next day. In India, there are no fucking jobs. I mean, if someone quits... It'll be a year before they find another job. On all economic parameters, we are fucked. So when the Indian right says, read this to get... But he's not offering anything but bigotry. Now it's not like saying that I'll accept bigotry because he's also giving me this. So I just wanted the panel's views. <laughs> you stated so uh, something which is so obvious about this um, government. Amit, have you ended? Have you finished it? <laughs> or take your time and finish it? I... I- 
no, no, I, I got your point. Your very eloquent uh, rant summarized it sufficiently, <laughs> so I don't have to read David Brooks himself. Uh, and uh, all I'll add to that is that you know the thing is on on both sides, whether it's in the US or whether it's here, it's also the failure of the opposition to present a counter narrative to yeah. that. Our failure also. Sure. I mean, w- you know, where Trump succeeded in the US was he managed to sell a, a very simple story which mm. everyone could understand, which was that you don't have jobs because a your jobs are being shipped overseas and b immigrants are coming and taking them and both explanations are wrong but the point is they are both simple and uh, you know the other side hasn't been able to tell a simple story and similarly uh, modi is really uh, modi and amit shah more than him uh, are masters of building these sort of narratives and the point is i think their support for a while at least is only going to grow before it diminishes because it doesn't matter if there are no jobs and businesses are shutting down and the economy is screwed because everybody because a lot of people now feel this tribal sense of solidarity and a lot of sort of uh, you know a lot of say bigotry or misogyny which earlier you could not express in public has now been made respectable and 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 there is this feeling of solidarity in that for all of these people and and the point and, and there's no point people like us bemoaning that and saying oh look where we've landed up i think what instead people like us and the opposition have to do is try to build counter narratives that appeal to other aspects of you know the better angels of the nature so to say of all of these people because i don't think that it's necessarily true that you know everybody who supports modi is only a bigot they might be bigots but they're not only no, a bigots there might be sure. other things that you can appeal to but sadly the opposition in india is dead and we are going to have to live with this uh, nationalistic uh, narrative for a while i'm sorry i went on a rant of my own no i no, was no. feeling left out i'm the only one who rants so now next week we can get a email telling us about your rant also because only my rants are commented on but anyone else has a view on this no and apart from um Modi is also selling that simple story of how he's going to fix your problems by or Amit Shah also ki guspeti deemak ki tarah kha rahe hain aur ab ek bar inko bahar nikal denge to sab theek ho jayega aur even about jobs or even about pride that you know ki pehle hindustan ko koi puchta nahi tha aur ab dekho matlab you know everyone knows what an indian is and there's so much pride in all of us so he's also kind of trying to sell those simple yeah. stories to people and apart from that i think certain things that he has introduced like ayushman it has made an impact ayushman ho gaya then this cylinder thingy hmm. then this izzat ghar izzat ghar that is izzat ghar uh, is toilets acha wo uh. although the numbers on that are out i mean he made a claim that we are open defecation free in rural india which is no, no, not we true we are not we are far from it and if you just travel you can see you're not but i mean any, anyway i just think i i think it's not just a story i think genuinely there's a very large section of our country that is bigoted well like amit said they aren't only bigots they are the aspects of their personality but unlike in america where they are aware of the bigotry and that's an acceptable price to pay for something else they will not defend it i think in india the number of people who are bigoted shocks me people who i never thought would say the kind of things they do i mean they defend things that they don't have to defend i mean you can say fine that's a shit thing to do but i'll still vote modi because i don't have an option i will i still think that's a shit response but you are not defending the makitra chart 
the extent to which people defend the indefensible i don't think it's just yeah i just think the number of bigots in our population as a percentage is much higher than any other country and may it may have to do with partition may have to do with the history of our country but yeah but as guljar says partition was just in the north south which is why it's which is why um, the bjp you know got 1200 votes when rk nagar bipol took place after jalal that died <laughs> right that is why rk uh, rk stalin bol raha hu that is why stalin can say what he can say to modi and shah right because in tamil nadu then there no nobody is nothing sir. kerala they nothings i mean now they trying to you know in make andhra also uh, yeah it's very limited so i think that's good reason and for and these that. places you also have strong regional politics so i mm. think that's also there that there is like amit was talking about an opposition there are leaders who are giving some who are presenting them the people with other alternatives so okay, i'm just going to read this last email and if anybody else wants to say anything about anything that they found we should have discussed feel free and then we will take everybody's recommendations and wind up This email is from Dheeraj. To begin with, I shall admit the reason I initially was going to write this mail. I was appalled at the e-cigarette discussion, especially when someone used a relative to make a point. But also because here in the UK, so I'm guessing Dheeraj is in the UK. Even on the NHS website, which is a trusted source in the UK, say e-cigarettes are not harmful. And then he's given two links: one to the NHS and one to RCP London. But then I went on to the WHO and EU PH sites, both of whom are fence sitters, so they haven't given a clear position. As Meghnath pointed out, the jury is not out. I guess jury is out. I don't know. I was also of the opinion that the NHS, like the NHS, that nicotine is addictive but not carcinogenic, which I later found out was debatable. You see, in my circles, people have painted me orange, BJP. So you're clearly BJP supporters. So sorry about my rant. But when I protested on e-cigarettes ban. There was not a single person who said anything. I think it's ridiculous to ban e-cigarettes simply because you have something way more addictive and with known harm like cigarettes still in the market. On other things I would just like to ask the panel think about solutions journalism and he sent the link to solutionsjournalism.org. Madhu had the view that the government should have gone into Kashmir Valley and made loads of humanitarian gestures before 370 move to gain the trust of Kashmiris. Hypothetical question. Let's say Madhu had written an op-ed in two, three major papers or websites, and it went viral. Would the government heed? Would this be solutions journalism? Does NL have such plans? I don't think the government would heed. Hmm. They only heed to Swaraj guys. I see. <laughs> I don't really think they heed to them either. But hmm. Well, yeah, I, I'm guessing they don't heed to them also either. But I, yeah, I don't think this government really cares about what journalists feels about them. or how they're being perceived by the media and well most of the media is praising them but yeah on solutions journalism i don't know this would mean influencing government policy like doing your journalism in a way that can sort of reach out to the government or people in governance but maybe for me solutions journalism would be more that through your journalism give solutions to what's happening to or talk to people who have solutions when it comes to opinion writing you have pratap banu mehta who comes out with solutions also he he gives He, he gives many policy uh, you know solution that whether the government is going to listen to him that is really doubt but when it comes to reporting there are two aspects i mean journalism mm-hmm. reporting me to this you just report um amit i think it's uh, laughable to expect this government to listen to journalists when they don't listen to their own experts 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at what happened during Demon and GST, they didn't listen to their own economists. They didn't mm-hmm. listen to the Niti Aayog people. They didn't listen to Panagariya and gang. So what are they going to listen to uh, journalists? And I, I think there is enough good journalism in, in India still left where people try to talk about solutions and it's uh, not just uh, uh, PR for our great nation. Um, but I don't think the government really gives a shit. And also the thing to keep in perspective is that, you know, all of us, you, me, all of us are in a bubble. The point is no one cares about the English media. And, and um, uh, you know, we, we don't have that kind of reach and uh, readership, however much we might think otherwise because of our self-selected uh, um, uh, echo chambers. So, so and Amit Shah knows that. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, like I, I read a column for the Times of India, and every once in a while, when I'll write something critical of Modi, my father will call me up and say, "Hey, you know, you." Sh- should be careful and you never know these people and i'm like no i'm writing in english for a mainstream newspaper no one gives a shit trust me we are not on the radar so yeah they're not going to take us seriously for a long time and that's probably a good thing hmm. okay arunab i don't uh, agree yeah. with that huh? i do think so we let care arunab about talk oh, first don't sorry. be mean <laughs> sorry she doesn't give a shit about what you have to say or no, I'm no, just no, saying. No, no, I just, uh, just the thought came to me from but Amit's. No, no, go ahead. So, yeah, uh, no, I, I don't know what solution journalism is, but then in conflict areas, you know, uh, there's something called uh, peace journalism. That's uh, it's a big thing, you know. In fact, uh, just the last week, I was asked to speak to a couple of uh, college students about uh, peace journalism, uh, uh, you know, in the conflict, uh, in the context of the conflict in the Northeast. So, uh, it's probably the first time we thought about, you know, you know, if we as journalists can contribute to solutions directly or build or build peace. So, uh, so I suppose, you know, uh, you know, solutions or whatever, it goes beyond convincing the government to do things because there are a lot of conflicts, particularly in the northeast. I'd say, you know, where you know groups, that, for example, Naga groups are fighting among themselves, and that's a bigger problem right now than you know because there's no real fighting in the Indian government because they didn't cease fire with the Indian government. So I suppose. I mean, you know, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, and, and Naga newspapers for, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, English newspapers in Nagaland, because uh, that's what uh, the, uh, all newspapers in Nagaland are in English. I mean, have been for a long time, you know, doing what they call peace journalism, you know, you know, writing, a, you know, a dedicating, uh, you know, part of the newspaper to, you know, uh, getting, you know, the voices from both the sides and trying to get them to talk. So I think... Uh, I, I think there is uh, there is uh, you know space and scope for you know solution journalism if that's what the term is and it, it could go beyond you know convincing the government to do something or influence policy of the government I think you know uh, at least that's what I think. Okay, um, Raman sir, you don't have a view on this. No, I think I spoke about. Oh, it. you all. Okay, <laughs> okay, uh, Manisha. No, I was just from Amit's point on the government not caring about English papers, I don't know if I'd agree with that because if you read, if you remember that interview that Modi did with Rajkamal Jha and Ravish of Indian Express, he was so angry with the paper for the reporting. Like you could see in the questions Mm. how he was attacking them constantly for what they had reported and who reads Indian Express? I think Indian Express is even more, I mean, it's just influential policy people who read it or Hindu after Rafael. We've heard of how tough it's been for them to get ads. So I do think the government does care about what's being said about them in English papers also. As far that, as media is concerned, I think they want complete obedience from all sections. Basically, you have to say you are great. You can't yeah. say anything. And that's so. why they are uh, taking action against so many journalists. Yeah. Even even the smallest, uh, you know, the official hmm. journalists who have been covering schools and all. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with Manisha on this and I disagree with Amit about... We may not have a, uh, you know, by we, I mean English media, news laundry... 
doesn't have any impact that i'm very clear about but as a as a you know grouping the english media it may not have the kind of viewership that makes us you know uh, relevant in the sense of across the country but there is enough impact whether it is you know psychological imagined or real for the governments to really sit up and take notice if you are critical of them and there are consequences and i can tell you that from being in the space for the last two decades even if you're a really small player but it gets they catch your eye mm-hmm. that you're critical there will be consequences it may not be true for bombay maybe there's a geography is like that but there are consequences and i have seen and suffered them myself secondly uh, i think you know what dhiraj said about the government and this is more true for the bjp it is also true for the upa they don't like journalists they hate journalists so and the journalists who they talk to are the ones who suck up to them who say sir ji aap great ho hmm so aapne kya kiya main gir gaya are sir ji kya graceful gire aap aapne to zameen ki tod di matlab you know that's the nature but if you say dude you are walking like an idiot they don't want to listen to you so i don't think there's any and that's a part of us a society is like that it's so hierarchical that once you are up there i don't want to take names but one of the top cabinet ministers and one of the most important portfolios is holding meetings with many industry heads in the last few weeks you know when the numbers are coming out of the industries where which are dropping and these are these are industries that actually carry the economy so these were one on one meetings and this person heads uh, you know one of the largest manufacturers of his sector um so while the meeting was ostensibly called for discussion on what is ailing the economy and why are numbers looking so bad in your industry and in your particular company and these were happening with individuals across different he said i got to speak for 3 minutes after that i for 15 minutes i was told by someone who's never run in a company that how i'm running my company wrong that's why my numbers are going down it has nothing to do with so that is the mindset with which these ministers come so i i think it's a pipe dream and also uh, i believe that it is not modi and shah's um, intention to solve kashmir kashmir is the is the havan ki ahuti to win the rest of india so they are not there to solve kashmir they are there to create kashmir as this rallying dog whistle to win just like nrc what are they going to do with the nrc you think anyone is going to take this back so we'll have these camps with people who have no rights like for generations now we'll be like mad max and there'll be these little islands of and also in terms of journalists even the journalists who suck up to modi you should see his body language with them in all his interviews yeah, he he's slashed out to them for not asking the right questions and these are journalists like anjana or rubika like these guys are suck up as much as possible but modi still lashes yes, out at them saying them that you content. are unbiased and then you see how he behaves with akshay kumar uh, mm. akshay kumar mm. you know he actually treated him like with more respect than he treated any of these other journalists so so before i wind up a couple of announcements do pay to keep news free because when the public pays the public is served when advertisers pay advertisers are served we need you to survive go to newslaundry.com click on the top right and give whatever you can afford uh and you get certain benefits you get to ask us questions we have every quarter we have an interaction with our subscribers where we answer your questions real time live so we'll do that also we'll be fixing our website very 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 soon so that's a good thing it'll be easier to subscribe the app may take a little longer but yeah now let's come up with the recommendations let me start with arunab what recommendation do you have for our listeners i read this uh, excellent story i think it was published here a couple of days back uh, in this uh, american website is it called insider 
it's uh, basically about uh, Jamal Khashoggi's murder, uh, and it, it's an in-depth, uh, uh, you know, very deeply reported uh, story. And it uh, borrows heavily from the report, the UN uh, special reporters' report uh, detailing the entire story. So I think if you're, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's a great account of, you know, how they pulled it off and how the entire world, you know. I mean, completely looked the other way, you know. Wow. I mean, the the whole brazenness of the thing, it just, it's just an mm. incredible story that something like this could happen in, in 2000, you know, in 2018, you know, in, a, in times like these and, and they could get away with it and they have got away with it. All right. Amit? I'm reading this book called Narrative Economics. It's a new book. It's uh, written by Robert Schiller, who won the Nobel Prize for Economics. And uh, the book's called Narrative Economics. And the subtitle of the book is How Stories Go Viral and Drive Major Economic Events. And what's interesting about the book is he uh, he compares different narratives or memes or ways of thinking to viruses and germs. And he shows how, uh, you know, the dominance of these narratives over a period of time um, uh, if you plot it on a graph, it's like an epidemic where for a period of time, it will go up, 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 up till it's completely dominant. But then after a point in time, it always sort of peters out, which kind of leaves me wondering about some of these toxic narratives which are dominating our discourse and our politics today. You know, are they going to go down? And if so, why? I mean, maybe the nation will just at some point be mugged by reality and realize that there are no jobs and there is no economy and start re- rethinking them. So even if these narratives are so dominant today, we should not give up hope. Hmm. Okay, Manisha? Um, I'll suggest a piece that I read in scroll.in. Authoritarian rulers are using algorithmic politics to tighten their grip and India proves the case. And this is just taken from our conversation on Modi and Trump and how they appeal. This is a small line from the piece which says that the authoritarians get it right in one respect. They articulate a world crisis better than anyone else. The vision of fear they have created is more believable than the liberal intelligentsia's vague pronouncements of universal humanity. Whatever the right wing's challenges with facts and reason, it understands emotion better than progressives. Hmm. Um, so this piece, then I really like Pratabha Mehta's last column on how uh, South Asia is not committed to human rights and both Imran and Modi's posturing is just about identity politics. And I finished Unbelievable last weekend. I think a lot of you must have watched it already, but if you haven't, do watch it. It's a fabulous, fabulous series. Okay. I'll plug uh, an old book, Arundhati Roy's, The Debate Between Ambedkar and Gandhi. Hmm. Uh, I think uh, some of us must have read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a beautiful book. I haven't, but I've heard of it, yeah. Uh, and this is one. Second, uh, our own article, Hindi article, hmm. where I came to know about it now, there were six attempts on Gandhi's life. Uh, hmm. So, we in News Laundry, we have published this in Hindi. And uh, I have also been watching uh, this uh, Bill Gates uh, documentary, Netflix documentary. I've just seen the first one. Okay, I would recommend this piece on why Trump supporters won't desert him from the New York Times. I think it's an interesting read. And I would recommend the piece by Mr. Modi on Gandhi and Mr. Bhagwat on Gandhi again in the Hindustan Times. So we can get a perspective of what it's like if tomorrow, you know, we have to write something on Savarkar. We should know the template. (laughs) We should know. (laughs) On that note, I shall leave you with one of my favorite tracks. And thank you for joining us on Hafta. Amit, thank you for sparing time. Arunab and Amit, always a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. It was great fun. Thank you. Thanks. So we'll see you next Hafta. Until then, peace out.
the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.